0: I don't think I'll ever be content with the limitations of a screen. Like of there's one just so screen. many things. I just want to like just a little bit outside this side over here and a little bit outside that side over there. Like I think once we have like true AR glasses that will just give us an infinite canvas for uh-huh. Windows. Like I will be happy. That's that when will you'll be. be. <laughs> That'll be my happy place. And then yeah. I'll be like, this desk is full. Let's move to the other desk. <laughs> and that'll be where the, the clutter doesn't live. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I've like
1: converted my parents to. Full desktop to... Read more.
0: metaphor, right?
1: Yeah. I've converted my parents to using ultra-wides. My dad uses one and my mom uses two for
0: work. So. <laughs> one on top of the other or side by side? It's side by side. So um, it's like a 180-degree shell. Of it's pretty wide
1: it's like uh what would it be like 40 something by 9 uh 41 by 9 maybe it's pretty wide uh, it's wider than what i have but um they're smaller so yeah it's kind of interesting yeah i definitely couldn't do like a single like you know 27 inch display or 32 inch display or something it would add a normal aspect ratio it's definitely not enough to have open for like anything like work or otherwise
0: hmm definitely um okay I one think thing that's more nice or less... go for it yeah one
1: thing that's nice about the display that i have because it's basically two 27 inch displays it can do like picture i guess you call it picture by picture so you can have two inputs open at once so what i'll do is like if i'm playing like a game on my pc i'll have that in on one screen and then i'll have like the mac on the other screen and just you know have youtube or slack or whatever open so kind of nice to like be able to split it like that and yeah i don't know big screens are
0: nice for sure definitely that's the the future we all hope for when we when we had those little tiny displays that we were working <laughs> with a long long time ago right
1: <laughs> remember when it's like 20 inch crt was just absolutely mind-blowing that was a big paid. tv <laughs> yeah dude
0: <laughs> It's like, oh, check out my parents' big TV. It's 20, 20 inches. Ah, yeah. the good old times. <laughs>
1: it's crazy.
0: Like, I remember probably the first TV
1: I, like, I had in my bedroom was, like, barely wide enough. You know, it was, like, a built-in VCR player as well. And mm-hmm. it, like, was barely wide enough to fit a VCR.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: was about the, the size of the screen. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, tiny, dude.
0: I mean, or, it's a- uh, Yeah. To give those 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 TVs credit, uh, video games at the time looked best at the smaller mm-hmm. size. <laughs> the the yeah, larger oh yeah. they are, the, the poorer they are represented, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, smaller yeah. was better back then. Yeah.
1: Interesting to see how well, like, how good old video games look on, like, a CRT. Even if it's, like, big... Like, if you were to compare... I don't think that... Well, maybe they made them, like, 55-inch CRTs, right? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Compared to, like, a 55-inch, like, TV of today. It's just due to the way, like, the the Electron gun or whatever, the way that it mm-hmm. displayed things uh, looks way better. It's just... I think the games were made for that. And so when it's, like, mm-hmm. not, you know, it's displayed on a, a modern display, it just looks, like, gross. So Absolutely. Like, whenever...
0: Whenever you look at like pixel accurate like uh, retro games that are emulated, they all look very pixely and they don't look correct because yeah. there was a whole amount of effort that went into uh, designing your characters around the electron gun, right? Where like a bright spot would literally bleed into all the surrounding pixels and and appear differently than it would on an LCD which very accurately represents a pixel, right? Uh, like a, a good old cathode ray tube. Uh, those don't have a horizontal resolution. It's just an analog right. signal um, on the and the horizontal direction. Yeah, the vertical direction is very <clears throat> quantized, but the, the horizontal is just an analog signal. So um, that can be anything. Um, and it like the developers at the time, they use that to their advantage to make things look much better than they would ever look today on our very accurate eight by eight representation of a pixel on a giant uh <laughs> flat screen right <laughs> right yeah. yeah so it's
1: kind of interesting how like that people will you know hunt for like specific crts because they like if you're playing retro games it's like it's a good size and whatever mm-hmm. the electron gun was or the like Uh, the way that the um i forget what that layer is the um the photon layer maybe um on kind of the front where the electron gun hits like it just displayed things really well and was clear and stuff so there's a market for you know good crts that people will still pay like a ton of money for if they're into like retro stuff or I maybe old like media i don't know if you watch movies on a vcr still that's kind of uh, not
0: maybe the same thing yeah that, that definitely can games pr- probably sure. be modernized <laughs> yeah the the vcr aspect because i think VCRs is like introduced all sorts of other crud on top of the picture that was like like the crts like uh, would do better if it wasn't coming from a vcr um yeah which probably. is sad um yeah. but yeah uh, I, I can definitely confirm, as someone who has hooked up a Nintendo 64 to a 55-inch TV, <laughs> I had to fiddle with the controls on the TV to make the picture smaller, because otherwise it was just, like, too big uh, and too too obnoxious. Uh, so, like, I, I was really fiddling. Um, and, of course, the little dongle that you can buy to transform the signal from, something, from analog to HDMI... Uh, it, like, makes a widescreen out of it. And my TV was like, this is a widescreen signal. I don't know how to make it at like, uh, right. the other thing. So I was, or like, fiddling screen. with the scaling, like, at 1% at a time, trying to, like, shrink it in all directions to, like, oh. be sensible. It was just not fun. Um, but, yeah. yeah uh, it's it's the the price we pay for probably, like, a better... Perf- not better performance, but, like, uh, probably better energy costs right A crt is probably using a whole lot more energy than a modern lcd um and yeah bigger screen i guess is the other benefit definitely not the for sure the the depth savings and space that you're benefiting from right that's definitely not a benefit (laughs) no no not at all it's not like we had
1: uh, i don't even know like two foot deep or more
0: tvs i mean some were just absolutely chonkers dude yeah i remember one day when i was young my, my dad came home and he said like i bought a flat screen tv and we were all excited and it turns out it was a flat screen crt <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so the was. front is flat but yeah yeah, <laughs> the front was flat but the back was very much not and yeah that was that was the the state of things uh ah, yeah. good times Yeah. (laughs) Okay, on to our regular programming. Yeah. Hello and welcome once again to episode 125 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So this week we have a new Swift pitch uh, that's been pitched on the Swift forums, uh, and that is for a new uh, type, I guess we would call this a type protocol, uh, I don't know, but it's called yeah. Observation, and it yeah. promises oh. to replace all the all the horrible things.
1: Yeah, so this is really cool because it, it kind of, it, it talks about like, hey, yeah, we already had this Observer, like this Observer, pa- excuse me this observer pattern in a couple places we have kvo we have observable objects we have um or or, yeah we have kvo and that's limited uh to object or not objective c but uh like um, sorry combines observable object requires combine and combine doesn't exist um on all platforms like you you can't use that in in a vapor app right or anything running on linux or whatever so this is kind of a more i think unified uh form of these observer patterns that we already have but it's like a pure swift implementation Um, and it looks like the as far as status goes it says it's awaiting implementation so i don't think it's actually like been written anything that we could try yet but the sort of promise of what it could be is really cool and i think um it's nice because like You've got, yeah, like, you know, KVO. Like, uh, KVO's weird. Using context to me is weird. I, you know, I came around way after that was like a normal thing, and I've only used. And Swift it makes times. it nice.
0: It, it was way yeah. weirder. <laughs> and Objective C. Yeah. And having to have like. Way, way harder, too, right? You can really shoot yourself in the foot there.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and observable objects, cool. But again, like, the limitation of using combine uh, isn't really a limitation for most people. But again, in vapor it would be so having something that's kind of all-encompassing is really cool and it looks really nice like it's using um uh key paths and everything for it's it's pretty type safe like that i think was one of the bigger goals if i can find it um yeah so it says it has an opportunity to provide a robust type safe and performant implementation so um i think overall I'm, i'm kind of very painting in broad strokes here, but uh, it seems like a really cool idea to kind of have just a straight Swift solution that is available anywhere, that Swift is available.
0: Yeah. And as we mentioned in the past when we discussed Combine, or Combine, as it's still stuck in my head to this day, um, this is using a different pattern than uh, Combine, than KVO, uh, than most other... Uh, other Swift libraries to the state um, and it is making heavy use of async await um, and async sequences. Oh. Um, and that's what's really cool about this and what I don't think a lot of people realize when async sequences came onto the scene came into the scene. and that's that you can have a loop that is just awaiting new events off of an async sequence, and that loop, for all intents and purposes can be infinite. Um, and can be triggered by cancellation to stop. Um, And the really cool thing about that is you can go ahead and start this infinite loop, do the one thing that programming books tell you to never do. Um, (laughs) And because it's using async away, it's not actually hogging all the resources on any particular thread. It's just waiting patiently for the next event to come in. It's essentially an event loop. Um, And the really cool thing about this is you can observe pretty much anything and transform these event loops as as if they were just objects that you can work with and transform and map and do filter and do all sorts of things with. Um, and I think that's the best part about um, about this uh, observable protocol. Um, and what it's doing is it allows you, to it allows async await to start having like some actual use uh, in everyday regular code. Sure. Um, and I think that pattern, once people get used to it, is going to allow us to write really great multi threaded code uh, because we're going to be able to make use of these event streams for things from the network, for instance. If you're just like listening to a WebSocket uh, that might be just sending you, pushing notifications to you, then you can react to them in the exact same way, whether it's on that computer or locally on this one. Um, And I think that's the best part about it. Uh, the other really cool thing about it is it's using macros to get the implementation yeah. done. So instead of you needing to say, "Oh, uh, uh, what, what were the ones for KVO? A uh, view will change and view did, or object will uh, change and object did change, uh, or something." Yeah, value, value, something will like change, that. value did change. Eventually, I'm going to get it, um, and uh, all of that can can basically go away in favor of not the compiler but a macro intelligently identifying all your properties and just like putting them in for you and i think that is really really cool it's also making use of some of the cool parts of kvo where you can set up like dependencies between uh Mm -hmm. stored properties and computed ones um and it will just take care of the rest for you um and i think that's really cool um and at the end of the day this kind of ends with hey what can this look like for something like SwiftUI?" well all of a sudden, combine goes out the door. You no longer have to mark things <laughs> with published. Yeah. If you just have something that's observable, then you can just go ahead and observe it uh, in all sorts of different uh, views and stuff like that. So it really ties up all the loose ends um, that are that's kind of got introduced by Swift UI. Swift UI was like a big arbitrator of change. It's uh, a Swift language. It's bringing the yeah. the DSLs in. It's bringing Um, like async await is probably, uh, partly due to Swift UI coming on the scene and making a mess of things. So, um, it's, it's really good to see a lot of this stuff get cleaned up, um, finally. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to being able to use stuff like this because for all intents and purposes, this is backwards deployable, right? It's not tied to the latest version of the OS. Um, and that is great news for anyone that's really playing around with this stuff definitely
1: i was just looking to see how long this this um uh, this pitch has been around
0: uh it was made four days ago so uh yeah but the the initial yeah. ones were like months ago it started oh
1: was it? oh oh you're right there's an initial pitch i'm sorry december of 2022 okay that's better i was gonna say if it was just four days ago then we're probably not gonna see any progress in a, in a while but you know okay it's been around for four months someone's probably working on an implementation so uh swift six maybe i
0: don't know or potentially much sooner right Um, the whole process for anyone who's curious, if you want a feature to come to the Swift language or the Swift standard library, the first thing to do is make a pitch on the forums. It's low F it's designed to be initially low effort. So that way you can gauge like interest Interest, Um, and more importantly, gauge interest from the core team, uh, to say like more, more or less you're waiting. You're, you are waiting you you do not want them to say, no, this is a bad idea. We're not going to do it right now. Um, but if you get a lot of support from the community, they're probably not going to say that. And they're going to give you more constructive feedback and said like, hey, this can't happen like this, or we should make use of these new emerging patterns like that. Um, and this is what this pitch went through. It went through three individual, this might be four, four individual rev- revisions uh, to get to this point where it's using async await. It wasn't in the initial ones. Um, yeah. And after this point, it's going to become a proper markdown document in the Swift Evolutions uh, repo as a proper proposal. Um, and that's when it has a real review period where um, the core team and uh, I don't want to say investors, but people who are invested in the process uh, can go ahead and comment and uh, share your like anyone can go and share your thoughts on What's good about the proposal? What's bad? What should we be careful about? And assuming you have something good to say, it will be it will be uh, kept in mind, and the next iteration of that proposal will uh, will will make changes according to the feedback. Um, and then it's down to getting an implementation. And uh, if it's important enough to the community, then it will get an implementation by the core yeah. team, right? Um, but if it's something that it doesn't necessarily need to happen now, you might need to, like, start the work there. Uh, but if you do start the work there, you can probably get more and more people helping out um, because people are invest- like interested in ha- seeing the yep. language improve outside of Apple's hands, right? This is a large code base maintained by Apple that you can participate in, which is, is pretty cool. i um, not saying that, like, work for free and all that uh definitely definitely gauge gauge your own time accordingly um and like use your free time judiciously but if this is something that you do want to partake in um it's it's a great use of uh spare time right
1: yeah it's definitely an open source source project worth contributing to cuz yeah it's like the most immediately and widely benefit benefitable uh, thing that you could work on probably. You're using Swift all the time in, in, you know, Cocoa Land. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully, you're not using Objective C still all the time. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And if you're looking for work, um, then it's a great thing that you can go ahead and put on your resume, saying like, "Hey, I contributed to this piece of the Swift language." Um, and if you're if you're being hired for something Swift related, uh, there's a chance that the interviewer may have uh, heard of this thing called swift and the process called Swift evolution um and that's something that they can go ahead and look at and gauge your skills from so that's always mm-hmm. uh pretty neat
1: yep um you know what the ftc is looking at
0: uh things that are not neat
1: <laughs> yeah definitely not neat uh the ftc uh, finalized an order requiring fortnite uh maker epic games to pay 245 million dollars uh, eh, for tricking users yeah yeah well, for epic games probably uh for tricking users into making unwanted charges, so this whole thing kind of goes into if you've been following this a little bit you you have heard about probably multiple times about um in fortnite using just the u i using dark patterns to sort of uh essentially lead uh kids mostly uh to you know grab the parents' credit card and Assume that they want to, um, they they need to buy something. So I actually, for the first time in my life, installed Fortnite because my I'm working on trying to kind of improve my sister's computer. And she plays and Fortnite. Fortnite
0: was a, a key piece of that.
1: <laughs> well... Yeah, she and her GPU is kind of old. And so I have one here, but it's the the, uh, the new Intel GPUs. And so I was like, I don't know if compatibility is like going to be great with this Intel dedicated GPU. So I installed it on my computer to see how it would run. Didn't work in DirectX 12. That was a whole thing. But I got it to launch and everything. And, like, immediately, before I even see the main menu, it's like, Hey, join the Fortnite Battle Pass. And, hey, do you want these skins? And I was like, two or maybe three things of, like, buy this, buy this, buy this. And at the very, very bottom, it was like, you know, skip or whatever. And that's probably after they've fixed a lot of these dark patterns. Because they've been in this uh, thing with the FTC for a while, I think. So, I definitely see... uh, where they're coming from and it's just yeah i mean children's brains are just wired to uh they're adaptable right and so if they're like oh this is what i need to do to play the game or whatever they're going to be like oh i need to do this and then that becomes sort of this long seated thing in their brains forever and that uh could have
0: more long-lasting effects so uh and it's mostly just like a dopamine it, rush right uh yeah. and correct me well, if yeah, i'm wrong no, that's but- my- correct correct me if i'm wrong but like i remember as a kid and i don't watch tv and i don't know what ads are anymore because i paid to remove all of them uh but as a kid you'd watch cartoons um i'd like to say saturday morning but i watch cartoons every morning um and (laughs) part of the process of watching cartoons is watching lots of ads uh dial 1-800 to get this cool uh this uh, cool uh, magic paint Thing where you, you have a, the thing and you like scrape and it's like the thing or these pogo sticks that ra- launch you to the moon or whatever you know <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, all yeah, the yeah. dangerous things as seen on tv uh, before like yes probably the fcc caught wind of like let's not make things dangerous but as a kid you see all these things and i don't know about you but what i did was like oh i just have to dial 1-800 and i can get this thing so i dialed 1-800 got shy immediately passed it to my mom Uh, And of course, like, let her deal with that, those repercussions. But, like, isn't that the same thing? Right? Like, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's bombarding children's minds with cool stuff that they want in that moment, right? They don't really care. But if they can get it in that moment, and it's really easy to get, namely because credit cards are already saved or uh all you have to do is fish one out of your parents credit like there wasn't credit cards like easily uh had back in back in the day right you had to you had to judiciously use those things nowadays you use them for everything right um and it's just readily available you might even have the number memorized um which uh is a dangerous thing in and of itself um and yeah this is exactly the same situation it's just instead of the morning cartoons, it's playing a game with your friends, and it's interrupted constantly by all this cool stuff that you could have that might be really easy to get, right? Um, And of course, Epic Games is taking advantage of that, because why wouldn't they? They're the company that wants to own their own app store, Um, and they would have gone away with it if it weren't for those troubling apples. Um, But... (laughs) yeah this is the I, the world we live in
1: it is indeed yeah I think the barrier to entry of getting something is a little bit easier um nowadays than it was like like you said, like you know you have to call you have to get your parents' credit card and back then, and that was like kind of not really a thing that you did, so I think it's a little easier to sort of end up spending the money I mean you hear uh the stories of like, I think it happened to even Jack Black where like his kid bought like $3,000 of in-app purchases on a game on his phone or something. It's like the barrier to entry is so low uh, for that, especially if they say the payment information and stuff. So I think it's similar, but not quite the same to how it was back in the day. Because like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or maybe my parents just drilled it into my head to like never buy that stuff or like never.
0: I don't know. You know, that stuff. Well, a certain point TV or whatever. At a certain point, you get like so sick of it. Um, so you, it's it is possible to grow out, and maybe it's only possible to grow out of if you're inundated with it uh, in your childhood, um, and then you have a deep hatred sure. for for advertising in general uh, to the point where yeah. like a car will try to do it, and you you hate you hate their guts for that process, right? <laughs> um, Ooh. Uh, so like, and I'm talking about BMW here. Uh, because people yeah, is stupid go. to charge like subscriptions for i don't know carplay and uh see uh, like heated, heated seats. seats like yeah. come on you're already charging 60 grand for the vehicle like come on oh um gosh. anyways so uh, uh. the the hulu of automakers here yeah. um but yeah, I'm I'm glad Epic Games is getting slapped on the wrist. Um, this yeah. feels definitely like a slap on the wrist. But maybe after all the litigation they've been through with Apple, uh, their wrist is getting uh, very sore. I don't know. I'm sure Fortnite's just making just
1: absolutely stupid amounts of money still. It's, you know, it's so
0: popular, it's insane. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the FTC is not giving up uh, because they are also banning spam texts. Which yes, seems to have gone really, really prevalent in the past, like oh, yeah. two months. I've gone so many, like I don't have any more on my phone to read out on air, uh, but I've gone so many that all are along the lines of, "Hey, your Netflix, your Amazon account is uh, no good. Uh, click this link: uh, amazoncom d- somethinghomeuserus home user dot US, um, to to like re-enable it." um and it's like so obvious but of course it's not obvious to everyone it's obvious to us exactly because we're used to it but it's not obvious to everyone and you might think oh shoot like i need that amazon thing to continue working i'm gonna tap this link um and it's it's really sad that we're at this point like there was a there was a time when uh we were all outraged by telecoms listening into every phone conversation reading every text <laughs> sure like at this point i'm wondering shouldn't they be reading all those texts to like block all the spam because it it there's a pattern like i've identified the pattern coming to me from very random numbers imagine how many millions of messages like one marketer is kind of sending out right yep. um so yeah, it's it's good that this is going to start being like the on the telecom companies to start banning these, but I don't know if, what difference that's going to make.
1: Yeah. I agree. I've definitely got a ton more. There's an interesting metric in here that says that uh these text message scams have risen by 500% between uh 2015 and 2022. Oof. That's a lot. Um yeah. So, I mean, uh, the what you know what you do now is you just say you swipe left on the message and say delete and report junk and stuff, but I don't really know what that does or anything, but hopefully the onus is on someone else that is actually going to do something now. So, that's good. Uh we'll see if it actually happens. Although I do get um spam calls fairly often still,
0: so I don't know if this is a part of that. I don't think so. I get so many spam calls, not to my personal number, but to my work line that I have as a separate SIM oh. on my phone. Uh, and they are all, uh, do you want landscaping and solar roof? Like, I get seven of those a day. Uh, and they all leave voicemails, and it's all the same thing. Oh. And it's like, oh my goodness. Uh I'm I gonna fill up your I, inbox? Well, like, I don't even know if it fills up. I used to, like, have some some voicemails that I cherished that I kind of left on on there like those have long since rolled off of the hypothetical like inbox if if it still exists and it's still limited by kilobytes or whatever um but yeah it's just never stopping um and to that point i i have permanently turned on the silence on unknown callers on my phone uh and my voicemail just tells you please text me like what are you doing leaving a voicemail just text me. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah <for> and, <laughs> and none of the landscape people text me, so that's how I know it's spam. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. If, if you need a voicemail message, feel free to just tell them to text you because what are they calling you from? It's not going to be a landline. They're calling you from a cell phone. They can just text the same number and then you'll be able to read it instantly rather than wait for the voicemail to like get recorded and then process and then eventually tell you that there's a voicemail. You can just text them. It's faster. Don't leave voicemails. Yeah. Uh, but also, Apple, please add an option to b- block, like, silence unknown callers per phone line because one phone line is tarnished. That would the be good. The other phone line is good. Um, so that would be very, very, very welcome. And other news, uh, Apple has a secret new app that they don't want anyone to know about, but it's too late because 9to5Mac has found out uh, and it's called the Accessory Developer Assistant, um, and it's there to assist. Yeah, so it says that the app is meant
1: to uh, for accessory makers looking to test and verify that their new products work as intended with Apple devices. So, uh, you may be asking, what does an accessory count as? Well, uh, it says that it has testing options for things like camera hardware, NFC, I'd assume tags or whatever. Um, battery management, case compatibility, and more. So not like my first initial thought was like, oh, is this accessory like a reality, you know, uh, like AR thing? And we'll get to that. But uh, it seems a little bit more mundane than that. It's just, you know, uh, MFI type stuff, it seems like. Um, So, yeah. Interesting, though, it does mention that. So Apple in the App Store, there's like the ability to sort of have unlisted apps. And that's Mm -hmm. what this is. Um, but it also has, it mentions that Apple has a couple other unlisted apps like Key and GymKit, uh, which I thought was interesting and I had not heard of before. So that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's basically a bunch of apps that are useful to someone, but you don't want them showing up in App Store search results. Yeah. Uh, you just want to be able to link them to it. Um, and uh, this is kind of what we have been harking on Apple to do since the dawn of time to resolve the antitrust stuff regarding yep. the App Store is like hey let people link directly to it and in that case sorry Apple you can't collect 30% they are they are the ones doing the marketing right uh but Apple's pivoting that idea to one of uh secrecy and Ooh. uh anonymity uh even though those have nothing to do with it because it's just a link that you can find on 9to5Mac to get direct access to it. <laughs> and per Apple, you cannot change this link because it's the ID of the app. Um, so if you want to change it, you need a new app ID. Uh, and tough luck, Apple. You need to go right through app review and prove your point again. That needs to be an unlisted. Wow. Which is uh, quite quite the burden, uh, honestly speaking, Indeed. from experience. Um, so, yeah. Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, when, when all this is coming back into the news... Uh, cycle, uh, because eventually it is going to come back into the new cycle, just a matter of time. And something else that's coming into the new cycle quite a lot recently is Reality OS, uh, Apple's Ooh. OS for reality. Yeah, kind of interesting. I think the best part of
1: this is like, so it's, it mentions the open source code, sort of uh, mentions the name Reality OS, and as well reality simulator which is just like such a funny con like i name for a concept of like it's a simulator for you know another device but i just think reality don't they also so have funny.
0: reality composer which is yes, like an actual I, oh yes, app that I you can so. download <laughs> it's, it's oh yeah for, they do
1: that already exists
0: yeah that already exists it's it's to make yeah, for uh, iPad. ar yeah ar uh, gizmos um like the ones that yeah. you see whenever apple has an event Uh, That for whatever reason, you cannot view on desktop Safari, but you can totally view on iPad uh, with or without the camera. So uh, that's a thing. Um, But yeah, uh, the open source leaks is basically like if defs, you're not going to get any juicy information by uh, digging through Apple's open source stuff. It's basically like, hey, if this is going to work on this reality thing, we need to turn it off. So they got turned off. It's not including new stuff that's specific to it. Um, Or almost certainly not. Uh, There are some cases where that stuff slips, but it's usually in, like, Xcode betas, not in open source. Um, So do keep that in mind. Um, But we didn't just get open source leaks. We got a hardware leak. For the first time, we can see what the ribbon cable looks like.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Yeah, very, just, like, the most mundane, like, piece of this entire hardware aside from maybe the strap uh yeah it's a it's a couple ribbon cables and i think the fun thing is let's see if i can find it in this article um in nine to five max take at the bottom it says uh, a twitter user also points out that there are some similarities between one of the parts shown in these images and the microphone array used in the home pod uh so it could just be that it you know apple is sharing parts or whoever posted this just, like, got their wires crossed. So uh could just actually be a complete nothing burger, and that's the best part. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, one of the articles does mention that the expected launch price for their the first generation of these uh, headsets is going to be $3,000. Uh, which at that price will probably... I will probably pass on and it says that they'll try to release a more affordable quote unquote version uh for fifteen hundred dollars, which I could probably stomach then, but three thousand dollars, that's a lot, that's more than my car is worth. So uh not not sure if I can I'd I'd do that. I don't know, I'm cheap when it comes to my car though.
0: So You mean yeah. you don't want to strap HomePods to your eyes?
1: I don't know. They they sound pretty good that's they would could, but your could, eyes
0: don't don't need sound <laughs> i <laughs> know i was just gonna say that's if where the i could LED array just... is gonna come in it's already blurry because you're blind so good enough
1: <laughs> i just need two of the tops of the home pods like the series circle things right there for glasses or something i don't know we'll figure it out we'll figure out how to make this home pod hardware work for for uh your eyes
0: yeah yeah. How hard could it be? It just <laughs> needs uh, two woofers and seven tweeters, right? That's right. So I guess the analog would be: you want some green and maybe a little red and blue, uh, and you're good, right? That's all. It's yeah. all that's necessary. That's all it is. Yeah, just a little red, green, and blue. Yep. I had a quite a quite an experience over the past day, uh, and this all started yesterday when uh, I had the brilliant idea to start organizing this room, the chaos that is my office. Uh, and I decided by uh, starting that process uh, to, to clean up all the wiring behind a shelf that's to my right um, I'm not going to bother rotating a computer to show you. Uh, but uh, on this shelf is a bunch of networking equipment, and then at the bottom uh, there are uh, Mac Mini connected to like a few Thunder Bays, uh, which have a bunch of hard drives, and I use that as like the the home file server. Um, I recently got another UPS, uh, uninterruptible power supply, uh, for the networking equipment, and in order to install it, I need to basically redo all the cabling because it was a yeah it was a spidery mess back there. Um, so this shelf became very heavy as a result of all the stuff that's on it. So I carefully moved the shelf. I carefully snuck behind it i carefully uh rewired and uh zip tied everything to perfection um and at that point i remembered hey this mac mini is the first m1 mac mini and it does not have 10 gigabit ethernet i originally got a owc 10 gigabit ethernet thing but that was really buggy daisy chained off of other thunderbolt stuff so i stopped using it um and in the years in between, I had actually gotten another Mac mini to do like a separate project with, and I got 10 gigabit ethernet for that one, but I never actually did that project. So it was just sitting there kind of unopened. Um, So I was like, well, now's the time to do it since I basically am rewiring everything anyways. Uh, So I went through uh, the process of trying to like transfer everything from, Mac Mini A to Mac Mini B. Basically the same specs, the only difference is Mac Mini B had 10 gigabit ethernet which would benefit um, everything on the network because like the access to the hard drives is actually faster than gigabit. Um, So, uh, in order to do that, uh, Migration Assistant is uh, portrayed as the best thing since sliced bread um, to kind of migrate something and never... Nothing ever goes wrong when you use it. Um, And I've heard that time and time again. So I'm like, yeah, do you know what? I'll go ahead and trust it. I may have spent way too much time like setting up SoftRaid uh, and doing (laughs) Carbon Copy Cloner uh, and figuring out the various permission spaghetti uh, so that way uh, my good friend Spencer can access uh, these hard drives so that way we can collaborate On this little project we have called Code Completion um, and have like a shared storage space. Uh, So, like, I had already torn my hair out many times in the past uh, to kind of get that set up and it was finally like working well. Uh, And of course, now is the time I decide, well, I want it to work better than well. I want (laughs) some faster speeds connecting to this thing. Uh, So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like throw it all out the window. Uh, So, Uh, I am now presenting the good, the bad, and the interesting of Migration Assistant. Because, oh boy, do I have thoughts. First of all, All uh, Migration Assistant. It kind of works excellent if you have laptops. Because laptops have this very convenient thing called a screen, a keyboard, and a trackpad attached to them. Um, And you just kind of connect the two of them up. Use a Thunderbolt uh, cable. A Thunderbolt cable will make everything much faster and much Mm -hmm. better um and recently as i found out thunderbolt cables will network 20 gigabit per second between computers instead of 10 which they were stuck at for the longest time so that's really really cool hmm. um so grab a thunderbolt cable and connect them up however uh because these are both mac minis neither of them has a monitor neither of them has a keyboard or mouse uh which it's problematic because I don't... Yes, I have a lot of monitors in this room, but they're not like necessarily ready to just yank yeah. out of their position or like find a long enough Thunderbolt cable to connect them to a computer. Uh, so thankfully, I had a very ancient uh, 1080p uh, like laptop... Not laptop, uh, computer monitor from the Stone Ages uh, that I was able to connect up to this thing. Uh it's funny because you turn it on and like the black is so bright. <laughs> it's just like yeah. the the back You're like, like going through the black is like bright enough to light up a room. Uh it's it's that era of, of computer sure. monitors. Uh definitely under 17 inches. Um maybe like 14 inches. I would say 14 inches. <laughs> um needed a dongle to get HDMI because the back yeah. of it, it like ain't DDI. HDMI uh yeah i think it is is it is dvi or VGA. uh but yeah dvi not VGA. uh yeah. that would have yeah. been extra sad uh this is widescreen <laughs> sir um oh i apologize so yeah it has a dongle for for dvi to HDMI, which was just like permanently attached to it because what else would use dvi in this household um yeah and yeah so i brought that down from the shelf i plugged it into uh the new mac mini because the old Mac Mini, I'm like, okay, this one is already networked. I already have screen sharing. I can have it up on this iMac that I'm talking to you from now. From, yeah, right now. Uh, and this iMac also has a keyboard and a mouse. Um, and thankfully, uh, modern Apple like Bluetooth devices, you can plug them in and that will s- immediately switch the pairing. Yeah. So that's like the right. best case scenario for this kind of stuff. So I grab a good old lightning cable. I connect it to... That new that new Mac Mini and I uh, bring my keyboard down and I plug it in. And I'm like, great, it's plugged in. And I immediately like realize that problems are going to start arising because I needed to go back to the iMac to do something on the old Mac Mini, namely type in a password. <laughs> I'm like, keyboard, where did the keyboard goes. <laughs> so then oh, I no. grab the keyboard back and re it into the iMac and type the password. Unplug the keyboard, put it back down there. Uh, And went back and forth from the floor to this desk um, numerous times. Okay, so that's, like, problems number one. Uh, Problems number two. uh, You get to the point where you get to the migration assistant step, and it's like, oh, searching for other computers. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I need to go to the other computer and turn on migration assistant. So you go ahead and do that. So I I hop back to the CIMAC via screen sharing to the old Mac Mini. I'm like, yeah, let's do migration assistant. As soon as I start that process... It like logs me out of the screen sharing, and it has like a, yeah. a new special user called login user, um, oh. which was surprising. Uh, and you cannot log into that one via screen sharing, so I am like the screen sharing is not working. So I am now permanently on the floor, connecting <laughs> HDMI between computers, along with the USB cable that's connected to the keyboard to instantly pair it uh, between computers. Uh, and thankfully, these two Mac Minis have two Thunderbolt ports because. My my cable to lightning is a USB C one and there's only one left because the Thunderbolt's going between the other two. So long story short, I'm going I'm going between the two. I finally get to the point where I can start the migration assistant and then it tells me you can't do migration assistant because this Mac Mini is running an older version of the OS. I'm like, right. didn't we solve this already? Like don't the phones like update? Like I was hoping for that, but apparently. Uh, things were too old. Uh, so I had to back out of the migration <laughs> assistance stuff. Oh, set up the computer from scratch. Do not put an Apple ID in at this point. Because otherwise you're going to tie the computer to an Apple ID. And that's going to make you racing at a pain in the butt. Uh, so skip yeah. that part. Get to a desktop as fast as you can. Put bogus for everything. Uh, and then run software update. So I ran software update. That took a hot moment. Um, I, I was blessed with the fact that i have ubiquity gear that can tell you how fast things are downloading at uh and they were definitely not saturating any sort of internet that i pay for uh which was wonderful (laughs) i don't know whether to blame uh spectrum because spectrum sucks i don't like spectrum uh they cut my internet out 17 times a day and i have proof of that now because ubiquity tracks that um and i notice all the time because youtube just stops working out of nowhere until i go back onto 5g and 5GE to the rescue, because that one always works for whatever reason. Uh, just not on the Apple TV. Anyways, uh, back to the migration assistant. I am losing <laughs> track of reality. So, get Ventura downloaded. Get Ventura installed. Uh, that is all working fine. Uh, it gets to the point where everything is looking great. Uh, then I need to wipe it. So, of course, I need to open settings. And I know that they added wiping and like erase everything. Uh, but of course, like I don't know where to find it in settings, but thankfully yeah. the search knew where to find it. Uh, and I'm gonna get back get back to settings because oh boy, do I have thoughts on settings. Um, so you can erase everything now. It's like the perfect. I don't have to go to Disk Utility or nothing. So you erase stuff uh, seems to be happy with that. At a certain point, it felt like it did something weird where I had to like log into the recovery thing to say I really wanted to erase or to reactivate it. Like it was very bizarre uh but it got reactivated and like the whole process started anew as if it's a brand new computer on ventura i'm happy ish uh, by this point so now back to the migration assistant the other computer was still waiting so i'm like okay i'll like that one's ready this one i need to do migration assistant click on the thing it doesn't complain about the version anymore and i say go and it goes back and forth back and forth and i'm like yeah it's probably gonna take a few hours uh so i leave come back it's still going back and forth back and forth oh my and guess gosh. what i needed to go on the other computer and start the process but oh. i didn't know that because i don't have a monitor connected to the other computer to like know what it's waiting for me and i didn't want to read one yeah. line so yes shame on me of course but uh there i go disconnect the HMI, plug it into the other one and on the other one it's like hey what do you want to transfer like i'm just waiting um so like, okay, I go through that. Freaking um, everything, I, dude. I, 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 I try to move the mouse and the mouse is not working. Oh, I need to unplug the lightning, plug it into the mouse. Okay, the mouse is working now. Uh, go ahead make sure everything is good there. Click continue. Uh, go back to the other one. It says, hey, do you want to start the migration? I'm like, yes, yes, please uh, start the migration. Here are some numbers. Go ahead and verify on the other computer and click continue. So I go to the other computer. I... Check the numbers. I'm like, okay, the numbers are okay. Go back to the new computer, and I'm like, I can't click continue. It's grayed out. Oh, continue on the other one. So I unplug the HDMI back to the old one. (laughs) I I have (laughs) gone. I remember how many times I went back and forth. That was how infuriating it was. Um, So I get to the point where things things are things are finally making progress. Um, I, I can start start migrating stuff. Um, I don't remember if it was now or afterwards that I was deeply impressed by stuff, uh, but it, at one point, asked me, hey, enter the password for the administrator uh, that's going to be on this computer, and that was, like, my user. Uh, so I did that one, and there's one other user that's Linz. Uh That one's not an administrator account. And then there's one sharing-only user. That one didn't even show up. Okay, we'll get back to that one. Uh, that's the one that Spencer uses to log in. Um, so... Uh, that one, uh, didn't even show up in the UI, but Linz basically showed a prompt that said, Hey, uh, this account is going to get a temporary password and you're going to need to reset it. So I'm like, okay, I take a picture of it with my phone. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, then I click okay and it says, Hey, don't forget this password. So I'm like, okay, it's important. Apparently it's a bunch of gobbledygook. Um, but my phone phone has a picture i'm reasonably sure uh that it's that it's going to be saved um and we can go ahead and start uh doing the process So i click go and it starts going the the computer starts going um and at this point i'm very happy that thunderbolt exists because not only did it surpass gigabit it got up to five gigabit something 630 megabytes per second of small files transferring between computers like just copying xcode you know that you're rarely going to get 630 megabytes per second and xcode was one of the things that was being transferred so i was very happy for the amount of time it took to transfer everything from computer a to computer b um that was very cool uh another thing that was very cool because this is the last thing that was very cool um is that I knew that SoftRaid is going to throw a hissy fit if I try to activate the same license on both computers. So before I did any of this, I went to SoftRaid. I did the About, and I was like, I'm going to copy the serial number bigs out know where to find it. Um, and, of course, you can't copy that. But I'm like, Mac OS is magical now. I took a picture, a yes. screenshot, uh, to the clipboard directly. I opened Preview. I said Command-N. All this via screen sharing, by the way. Um, I... Uh, did command n it opened a new window in preview on that computer and lo and behold you can select text right in preview that is from a screenshot and that is pure magic um and then i let the migration happen and once the migration is done that preview window just popped on open and i was able to copy and paste that so well um i was very happy about that uh so if you need if you need hard to get serial numbers just take screenshots and leave them open before you start migrating Um, or I guess do your time machine backup. I don't know if any of this would have been different with the time machine backup, uh, but this is when it starts to get worse and worse. So, um, I mentioned uh, that uh, Lynn's account had this weird gobbledygook password, Uh, so the only way to make use of that gobbledygook password is I needed to uh, log out and then log back in with her account, Uh, at which point typing the gobbledygook password, it prompts you to reset the password. So, That was fairly good. I didn't have to deal with keychain access being completely broken uh, whenever you reset passwords uh, external to the account, so that was really nice. Um, I foresaw that the sharing-only account at this point uh, probably did not get migrated correctly um, and did not have the same password that it had before, uh, and lo and behold, it didn't. However, that was easy enough to reset, Um, thankfully I had the hunch to do that before I tore my hair out even further. However, um, I did get a chance to tear, tear my hair out even further, uh, because, uh, file sharing got completely broken in the process. Uh, because of course, why wouldn't it? Um,
1: yeah. It's not like you want to migrate like assistance
0: migrating the entire computer
1: or anything. That's not, sharing is not part of that.
0: No. So I open file sharing preferences, uh, or settings, uh, and well, first I have to find the damn thing. Uh, and now I know where it is. <laughs> it's located in settings, general, sh- like sharing. And then in there you have the sharing stuff. Um, that's where sharing is located. And the list of shared drives was just empty. Uh, so that was wonderful. I go onto the old computer and that one has like half icons because the external hard drive is not plugged into it anymore. So, I'm like, okay, right. this is a nightmare and a half as is. Carbon Copy Cloner A knew exactly what to do. It was like, hey, your startup disk is different. Do you still want these tasks to run? And I'm like, yeah, yes, please. And it just like was on its way, was able to back up from dri- yeah. like, big hard drive A to big hard drive B uh, within an hour and was happy. Uh, so, good job. Good job, Carbon Copy Cloner. Uh, SoftRaid, to their yeah. credit, also more or less great experience um needed to restart like seven times um to do the the enhanced extension stuff security and all that um yeah. and then like every time i launched it it was like yeah we did it uh but like it didn't do it and i restarted and i was like yeah you should do it uh, and i like i don't know there was an option to like reinstall the driver i reinstalled the driver i was happy from that point forward uh so really no complaints there that was uh relatively painless Uh, compared to still not having file sharing. Uh, So, yeah. I don't know how to get file sharing working. It seems to work for about five minutes when I turn it on. uh, And then it just will stop after that. So I'm still looking into that. uh, And I will update everyone next week uh, with uh, more anger. Um, But what else? What else uh, went horribly wrong? Oh, yes. uh, Content cache. So there is a uh, a sharing option called Content Cache. Is it called Content Cache? I don't know. Let me check now uh, because I stared at a lot of things. Uh, if you want to know where sharing is, it's under General yeah, Sharing. Yeah, Content Caching. Um, because that's where it would go. Uh, content Caching. Yeah, so Content Caching is something I had on my old uh, system. Uh, and it was set up to save up to 8 terabytes of Apple gobbledygook, uh, which includes oh. iCloud data, which is super cool. Um, which means I don't need to rely on my crappy internet provider spectrum, uh, to have syncing between devices. It will just go through the content caching server that's on the local network. Um, so I don't want that on the actual disc, uh, the internal disc of the Mac mini, but I do want it to make use of the hundred or so terabytes I have available, uh, to go ahead and like, Hey, use eight, eight terabytes of that. Have like, have fun. Uh, go ahead and put it there. Um, and yeah, that just stopped working. Um, and like nothing I did would like convince it to be okay with the hard drive. Uh, and that's because, uh, problem number 17 of this list is that if you have an external drive and you have permissions turned on, on it, which by the way, everyone tells you, you should probably just ignore permissions on external drives for a good reason. It's a pain to deal with. But you need it if you want to do file sharing to parts of that drive and not the whole drive, which is right. a problem. So since this drive is, like, integral to the computer itself, it's, like, a NAS for all intents and purposes, I do want permissions on it. But those permissions da, 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 are not transferable between computers because, of course, not. <sighs> Why wouldn't they be? Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think for the most part they're not transferable because it was set up pre-Ventura. So a lot of the IDs for the system oh. groups did not translate over. The IDs for the user groups did. Um and for a little background here, Unix stores uh users and groups as like actual integers. Um, I don't even know if they go above 1024, but <laughs> it's like they start off at 500 uh for user like regular users. Um yeah, I don't know what the deal is there, but that actually gets saved in the file metadata as that number. So on whatever new computer you plug this thing into, it's just going to interpret that number as a user on that system, which right. is not going to be great. I think yeah. the, ax- the ACLs, the access control layer, I don't know what that stands for, but I made up access control layer. Um, those, I think, use strings, which is a little bit more robust. Um, and I think that's where everything went wrong because sharing pre-Ventura, like back in the 10.11 days or whenever the M1 came out, whatever OS that was, uh, every time you set yeah. up a sharing thing, it made a new like physical group for the share that you made. And that apparently is not compatible. So maybe that's why my file sharing is not working. I don't know. But I had to manually clean up a bunch of ACLs and I got very intimate with the change mod uh command and I now know how ACLs <laughs> work and I'm very proud of myself, Big Spencer. I solved That's a long standing problem with our file share. If you create a folder, I can now access it. And if I create a folder, you can now access oh. it because it will inherit permissions. Yay. Woo! Um, so once file sharing works, that will be awesome. Uh but until then, uh I have I guess more ACLs to clean up because I don't know. Um so yeah, that was problematic. Hmm. Um, are you ready for more so- good news? Oh, wait, you have a well, question. Uh, Please ask me a, a question before I give so, you more good news.
1: Yes, so I guess what you're saying, though, is to verify this result, this, like, it not working between old versions of macOS, what you need to do is you need to reset one of the computers and migrate it again and see if the my, the permissions stay Mm-mm. because they're now on Mm-mm. Ventura.
0: Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think you need to do that. Just for Mm-mm. for for science. mm <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, maybe not. I am never, I am never migrating again, good sir. Um, no, I do it for science, my friend. <laughs> I don't have time for science. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I, I am legitimately interested. But I'm sharing my half results with everyone here now because that is my way of uh, dumping fair. out my problems into the world. Um, but yeah, I, one more piece of good news. Uh, sharing. It has this thing called local host name, right? It used to have a thing called computer name, and then local host name is, like, right underneath Uh it, and you can go ahead and, like, clean it up so that way it's not full of Unicode stuff, right? So I'm like, okay, all my computers, they all have, like, uh, VNC locks, URL locks to uh, the other networked uh, devices, and I don't want to redo all that. This computer is replacing the old one, so I'm going to give it the same host name as the other one the same dot local um and therefore time machine will just continue to work once i figure out the file sharing um screen sharing will work that one i did figure out that night um and all sorts of other things right uh so i make sure well first like it was hard to figure out what the the old uh look dot local was because uh guess what it's not easy to just turn on the other computer and have that information be available because then they're going to be stepping on each other and that's no good oh, yeah. um so uh i uh thankfully have screens on my ipad and that actually has the local and inf- from the the actual url that was Post used name. when you used bonjour the first time um and i was able to copy that over to the new one i was like great everything's all set up i'll just be able to like click on the thing I usually click on on the other computer, and i will just bring up screen sharing and I'll be happy, and I click on that thing, and it doesn't bring up screen sharing and it says cannot connect, and I'm like what's going on? So then I look at the VNC lock, and I pull it into a hex editor, and I notice that uh, in the binary there, it's not using the local host name, it's using my atrocious uh, hand-tailored emojiified computer name that you now enter in the about screen so there is a house emoji uh followed by space not not a regular apostrophe a curly apostrophe because it's hypergraphically wonderful um and all of that (laughs) so of course it wouldn't match up and of course i would need to figure out what the original because of course it's url encoded so i don't even have the original emoji there. yeah so like i am finding i'm trying to look for websites that will just url decode it for me because i am at wit's end at that point uh finally get a thing copy that over to the other one paste it no first time i typed it and it wasn't working that was because i got the apostrophe wrong it was a curly apostrophe not a straight apostrophe Mm -hmm. um so once i copy pasted it then it finally worked uh, and then everything was happy to screen share. And I'm like, I am getting closer. I felt so good at that point. Uh, and everything went downhill once I like banged my head against the sharp corner of the room to figure out the file sharing stuff, uh, which I did not fi- figure out. I figured out the content caching, though. And I am happy to share that solution with you. Uh, if you have a drive uh, and you say that everyone has no permission because you don't want every like sharing user to see the entire hard drive that you're ostensibly trying to share um then it will not work with content caching and that's because content caching requires uh a special user called underscore asset caching or something like that um, uh to have access to the drive to search for the location of the the path so it was creating the path all on its own but it couldn't read the path it was very backwards um i'm guessing one process was the one creating and one process was the one like actually trying to read from it um i eventually like figured out how to get console to oh i should stop console console if you leave open running long time on modern macOS will crash modern macOS. uh fun fact ask me how nice. i know um but <laughs> i need to stop that so thanks for the reminder um and and yeah uh you need to add an acl For that and to add an acl because i'm now a master at this you do change mod plus a space quotes underscore access control space allow space search uh, and search allows (laughs) it to like get the path um i ended up just giving it access to everything because i'm like i don't care uh if you add search then you can go to finder and use its nice gui uh to change the custom role to read and write um and i did that and added a whole bunch of other acls which i then copy pasted to fix our problems um so that's what i did i let it recreate its library folder and all that uh and i think from this point forward it's happy and i can now have like (laughs) download the system update once and then allow every computer on the network which are all like m1 computers at this point um i guess there's an m2 and then various variations but i think the system updates are more or less the same anyways uh, that can all now just like go there, and then I can download that to the other computers at 10 gigabit speeds, and I am happy That's with that, so nice. that is wonderful. But I can't do that yet, because file sharing is still broken. Actually, That's no. Right. I guess the content sharing caching can happen regardless of file sharing. So, who knows? I don't know. You tell me. Maybe it'll work. I, I don't know.
1: Well, I'm sure you'll have an update for us, though, in a week or so.
0: So... That has been my fiasco dealing with Migration Assistant yesterday. Um, I don't have good things to say about Migration Assistant other than it was fast. And if you don't use your computer as a computer and you just use it as an iOS device, it probably works great. Um, If you rely on any part of the fiddly parts uh, of your computer, uh, it's just not going to work. I don't know why I didn't just copy over the data like... Part of the disk, why didn't it just do that? It can do that now, right? Yeah, would time machine yep. have been better because time machine would have just done that and it would have done a migration? I don't know. That's 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 where I am like frustrated. Yeah, I don't have a good answer for you. It's good enough for me. <laughs> This week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Sticky Widgets. Sticky Widgets is the absolute easiest way to put a sticky note on your home screen and edit it quickly. It's so easy, you never need to open the app itself. Add a sticky widget to your home screen through the iOS home screen editor and tap on it to edit. That's about it. Of course, there's tons of customization options as well, font, color, text size, alignment, all conveniently located in the system's edit widget interface. Add as many Sticky Widgets as you'd like or put them in a smart stack. Sticky Widgets are digital sticky notes for your phone. Use them however you'd like. Sticky Widgets is a free download on the App Store and additional font and color options are available for a one-time in-app purchase. Thank you so much to Sticky Widgets for sponsoring Code Completion. Check out Sticky Widgets on the iOS App Store today. So, Spencer, I have a Code Completion tip for you. Uh, and that is all about using pattern matching in more places. So we talked about them last week ish, um, in using them for, uh, error cases, right? Um, and we also talked about using them in switch cases. Uh, and it turns out anywhere you see case, that's like a hint that the pattern matching operator will be used. Uh, And there are a few Mm. more of these, which are, frankly, quite useful. Um, The first is, like, guard case let and if case let. Sure. um, Without the let, even. Um, Those are great places to go ahead and use um, uh, enum matching, because enums don't always conform to equatable. And when they don't conform to equatable then you can't just check if this enum equals equals dot something, especially once you start handling, like, associated uh, objects and all that. So um, this allows you to do enum matching without doing enum equation um, by using the if case, uh, because you can say if case dot your enum case equals the variable holding the enum. It's a very backwards syntax and I didn't really wrap my mind around it more so than just memorize it um because life is too short to understand everything um I'm sure there's a good reason uh but I did not figure it out but this can also be used in four statements which is really cool namely if you have an array of optional things you can say something along the lines of for case let my optional question mark in array of optionals and it will only iterate on the things that Exist in that in that array, like the non-optional cases, and that's because optionals are enums, uh, and you're just casing on a particular on a particular one. So that's that's one situation where they're useful. Uh, you can also use the pattern matching in for loops without the the case uh, by adding a where clause. So if you have a for loop uh, where you wanted to filter through and you had like a guard at the top of it that would just continue if you were not satisfying some condition Um, or worse. an if that had like uh, an ever growing pyramid of indentation following it, Mm -hmm. um, you can go ahead and move that condition to a where clause and that will do the same thing for you um, without needing to have an extra line of code for it. So, uh, that's right. another great use case for for this, and those where clauses turns out work with um, work with uh, the pattern matching operator. So um, I have linked uh, an article by Swift by Sundell, who as always goes into uh, intimate detail of all of these things. Yeah. So definitely do check it out. Um, there's a lot of neat tidbits about the Swift uh syntax that most people are not necessarily super uh I don't want to say comfortable with but uh com- I guess comfortable with is a is a okay way of putting it but yeah. they're not bad right um and b- becoming comfortable with it will allow you to write cleaner and more succinct code that is not necessarily more confusing it's just it's using parts of the language that uh everyone should know a little bit more about
1: yeah definitely um, If you too think that if case let syntax is backwards, like me and Dimitri, because I also think that, and you also forget, well, I have a website for you brought to you by, I think, the same people that brought you gosh darn block and gosh darn closure syntax is gosh darn if case dot com, which goes into... Uh, all of the detail that Dimitri just talked about, if case let, and the where statements and everything. So uh, I've used this before, and it is very useful. It's just one page, but it gets into, um, you know, if you're like, oh, crap, what is that syntax? Perfect, perfect reference. Um, it, on the, if ca- on the uh, website,
0: And if that website is too hard for you to memorize, there is an explicit <laughs> version of that that is much easier to recognize, yes. remember. Uh, so uh, commit yes. one of the two to your mind, to your, like... Memories, uh, because the if case let syntax is going to take a lot more effort to commit to your memory than that one because it's not as funny. Uh, But that one is definitely way funnier. Uh, So, link in the doobly doo, but yeah, commit that to memory more than anything because you will never forget it.
1: Yeah. On the topic of the where case, so something that I ran into for the first time um, maybe a month ago at work is we use um, SwiftLint for just linting purposes and we've changed it to like instead of giving us warnings they're just hard errors so you like have to fix the problem which I think is actually pretty good. It's annoying in the moment but good uh, in the long run. Um, we've made it so that like for, for like uh I think this happens with happened to me with like a force uh just like a for loop but um I'm sure it would happen for like this for case let where you put the where statement um, it actually gives you an error if you just have a for loop with a single if statement in it, and that's it. Uh, it just says use a where statement instead. So um, Swiftlint's really cool. It's just you know can help drill into you <clears throat> whether you like it or not. These kind of better ways of uh, simplifying your code and you know ultimately making it a little bit better and more readable. So less indentation stuff. So it's nice.
0: Yeah. Um, I like SwiftLint when it's not uh, all demanding, right? Because when it starts to insist that, oh, you can't have extra spaces here, when you're like handcrafted yeah. indentation would look much better sure. than the automated indentation it insists <laughs> yeah. on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a hard wall towards you being a creative person that is actually writing text in a document uh, and wanting to be creative with that. If that is getting in your way, I am not a fan of SwiftLint. If it is purely yeah, there to fair. give you warnings and information about the files that you are changing to make sure you don't make any mistakes, A+. plus. Uh, definitely go ahead and install it on your CI to put warnings so that way they are more noticeable uh, and won't necessarily get forgotten. Um, so yeah. uh, that's thankfully pretty easy to do uh, if you do want to do it, um, to go ahead and set that up on like GitHub. Uh, so definitely look into that um but uh yeah don't force others to like follow your your same linting rules just because you saw that um i don't know um airbnb is doing the same thing and they are the de facto (laughs) rulers of the the pattern um like be creative you are human uh we are few and far between Uh, considering the AI overlords are going to replace all of us and write SwiftUI with GPT-4, (laughs) uh, which is an article that I chose not to include in today's uh, episode. But you can go ahead and look that up if you really want to. Uh, But we are all being replaced, so let's be human about it, uh, and then it can copy us and have some very nice indentation that didn't get SwiftLintified um, in the process. Definitely some moderation needs to happen there, as far as SwiftLint goes on the topic of things that we've already reviewed um i have a thing that we've already reviewed for the mini review corner Yay. and i don't have it in my hands uh because uh i have installed it uh and that is uh the circle view doorbell which spencer reviewed um yes. the thing that i want to review in particular uh is homekit secure video because uh it came in the news yet again uh that ring um is kind of like Doing not so great things. So in this particular case, there was a a crime that happened on the street. uh, And the police asked the person, hey, your ring doorbell was pointed at the crime. Can we please use the footage? And the guy was like, yes, here you go. Here's the footage of the crime. And then the police later decided, hey, um, we're going to need the whole day's footage. But we're not going to ask you. We're going to ask Amazon. And then Amazon just gave it to them. Along with the 20 other cameras, including the inside of their home. Which... Including in their bedroom yeah it's like that is not cool <laughs> oh, um so bad, but dude. it gave them a the law enforcement a free access to that um and if you're into kinky stuff and you live in canada that can basically mean you're going to jail because kinky stuff is not allowed in canada for some reason um really and yeah it's it, like you don't cross the border with kinky stuff uh if you ever go to canada okay. i not but that's just something i happen to know <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's weird <laughs> okay a fun canadian fact for you i don't know I, I was trying to search for like things that would not be super incriminating to talk about uh like that you would get in trouble but you also don't want the police knowing like yeah and and i was coming up shorthanded so i landed on kinky yeah. stuff in canada but that's fair. Uh, that's fair uh it, it goes to show that you don't necessarily want these devices that have an especially uh keen eye on how your life operates being shared with others based on uh warrants that are not even being served to you right this is was a warrant that was just served to Amazon because they know Amazon's just going to give access to it because Amazon yep. is good buddies um so uh on that note uh we have an alternative and it is provided by Apple and it's called HomeKit Secure Video uh and that one is special because No one except you has access to it. Apple does not have access to the content that's being saved in iCloud. um, And it's just your devices and the devices of people you share your home with, um, your Apple Home, Uh, which is really weird. Side note, if you add stuff to HomeKit uh, or the Home app, it says, would you like to add it to Apple Home? And it doesn't use the name of the home. Does it do that for you recently? I don't know. Or is my system just broken? I don't know. My system's probably broken. Uh but uh it says uh long story short, you can have a bunch of these cameras, especially if you pay Apple lots of money for the the fancy iCloud. Um I think it gets yeah. to a point where it's like unlimited for ten days, unlimited cameras for ten days. Um and you yeah. can basically have the camera record twenty four seven. I have one that's recording my front street um and it will record under any movement and cars drive by all the time so it's basically recording the entire day um which uh yeah is good when we want to know when the delivery person came by uh so that or when the trash people are coming by so that way we can give them a thank you gift come the holiday season um nice but yeah kit secure video um great good good a good thumbs up for me i don't know what the other solutions offer to be honest uh, but, uh, what I can tell you is that HomeKit Secure Video will go ahead and detect people. It will detect packages, animals, um, we have them in our home so that way we can track what the cats are doing when we're not home, um, and so that way we can track where they pee because that one of them has a peeing problem, um, and we just wanted to be able to keep track of that so we have them on every litter box and we know when they're peeing and then we know when we can give them a treat that they did a good job peeing to fix the peeing problem. Uh, it's a whole thing, but <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all in, all in all, they work really well. Um, we use them via the circle view, uh, Logitech, uh, cameras. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wanted to give the, the doorbell a try because it's made by the same people. And I thought the doorbell was like this big, like a and piece of, uh, th- like appliance that you attach Plastic. on the outside. <laughs> uh, but it is yeah. really tiny it's like an apple tv size it's smaller than an apple tv remote it's about the remote yeah yeah i was definitely assuming like uh a slightly longer iphone size like in Mm. in terms of height that's what it looks like in all of their marketing and then it comes as like this really teeny tiny thing um so that was that was fun um installing it without a transformer like they don't have any installation instructions which is maddening they just assume hey you have a system set up um so i had to piece together reddit posts to figure out how to uh install a transformer and have their little chime kit without the actual chime and all that but uh once set up it works really well you you press the button it goes ding dong on every home pod in the house which is way better than any one chime can do um if it recognizes the person, it will say, Dimitri Buniel is at the front door, uh, which was right. very funny the f- several times that we were pressing it and it just yelled that across every bathroom in the house, which is <laughs> hilarious. Nice. Um, uh, and yeah, it detects packages. Um, it will detect packages regardless of someone pressing on it, which is nice. Um it will detect leaves moving if you choose to have it send you notifications of leaves moving. Um, and yeah, uh, I have nothing but good things to say. Oh, a uh, fun bonus fact. If you are watching anime on your TV, because I don't know what else you do on TVs other than watch anime, um, it will go ahead and show you a camera of who is at the door. So that way you yeah. can you can uh, avoid avoid the, the person that's at the door if you don't want to deal with them trying to check your DWP invoice to see if you're losing money, so that way they can help get you a contractor that will install something that you don't need uh, to collect their fees from the rebate program. <laughs> I don't know; it's a long thing. Um, but yeah, a plus. Home HomeKit Secure yep. Video, Circle View Doorbell. Uh, nothing but happy things to say about them so far. I don't Until know when they are going to be disgruntled. Oh, yes, I forgot. Okay, there's a giant asterisk for everyone to know. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay, forgive me for not thinking about this. It's been raining in California for the, like, 10th week in a row. Um, And they're like, we are out of a drought for the next four years. Like, that's how much rain we got. And it has not been very much rain, but we are, like, saving every drop of it for the next four years, apparently. Um, But, yeah, we've gotten a lot of rain, so it has not been hot. I live in a place called Sun Valley, so I fully expect this to, like, go downhill very quickly over the coming days. Uh, but uh, if this thing is facing the sun, apparently it will just shut down because it overheats. So do keep yep. that in mind. Uh, if you have a door that faces the sun during any part of the day, uh, it will probably overheat and shut down. I believe, Spencer, you have experienced this every day, correct?
1: Can confirm. Yep. Yep doesn't happen every day but it happened uh every day during the summer uh, my house faces west and so um as soon as the sun starts going down it would you know get under my the sort of porch awning thing and uh it, yeah directly direct sunlight was do it and i went so far as to like i went on reddit as well and i was like okay how can i fix this people were like oh put like a white vinyl on it to try to reflect some of the sunlight and that seemed to like maybe make it work through some days where it would have not worked uh but it's still definitely shut down so uh yeah not I, that's like the biggest downside to me i hope they i don't know come out with a better version i'll probably get that but i agree that the um like the home kit secure video stuff is great uh going through recordings is great like i can see like Dimitri said, if there's people I don't want to talk to, I just don't and I get
0: an immediate notification when I get a package. Except when you're or not home, then you then you respond to all of them as if you are home, which is like a cool superpower that I did not have. Before. Oh yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, and it's got a microphone and a speaker so you can talk through it and stuff and just be like, Hey, go away or whatever. So I'm not interested. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's super cool it's yeah this stuff with with ring is just like so bad dude and
0: my parents have a ring doorbell and i want them to replace it so yeah yeah i i hope logitech fixes the the overheating power thing in their in their next iteration of it uh because like it's it's kind of crummy I don't know what the solution is. Maybe we talk to Linus and have him build us a heat a heat sink with lots of fins oh, to attached to it. <laughs> water cooled <laughs> yeah, yeah. doorbell. Water cooled. Uh,
1: Let's water cool my doorbell.
0: Yeah, he water cooled his house. Yeah. What's next? Um Exactly. Uh like all King aside his videos are pretty pretty entertaining to watch uh, despite They're the screaming. So dude. Um But yes. yeah, uh, I my my next guess and this is very much a solution that my dad would have thought of more than me uh but there exists at home depot some aluminum tape and it's actual like very thin sheets of aluminum with tape yeah um and they reflect very well great for insulation and stuff like that um so that might also work in terms of reflecting all sun uh, away from the thing that though it it's, might reflect so ugly dude it would, so ugly, dude. <laughs> it, would. Yeah. Oh, it would it would act as a mirror you can you can allow people yeah. to check themselves out as they're checking you out <laughs>
1: <laughs> make sure they look good for the camera
0: saving that one for the titles um, <laughs> so. Yeah, like, I'm sure there, there's some solution. Um, I don't know what it is. What sucks, yeah, what sucks is I guess is an I awning is a the solution. Or move your front door to the north.
1: Yeah, I'll just move the front door. That seems reasonable. <laughs> what sucks is, like, this was... I, when I bought the doorbell, I don't know about now, but it was, like, the only doorbell that supported HomeKit Secure Video, and that's why I got it. So doesn't it doesn't really still? seem like they're... <laughs> probably like it doesn't seem like there are any alternatives which sucks cuz like there are a fair amount of like homekit secure video cameras like that circle view camera and everything that it's not a doorbell but like as far as doorbells go there's like nothing no alternative so you know you're stuck with this overheating problem if you live anywhere with any amount of heat and direct sunlight like we both do so uh yeah i don't know if you're in alaska you're probably good so that's sweet
0: yeah. Though maybe not because sun beating down Can heat things up especially if they're black
1: Yeah That's true Yeah so um,
0: It's been the episode of Rants Yes indeed Um As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Mastodon.social at Code Completion to know when new episodes go live and feel free to toot at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Bunil. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.